Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Daryl Brown. Interesting that you should bring that up, because several months ago we had, as a guest on Freedom Forum Radio... Jim Chilton, uh, who is, owns, he is a cattle rancher in New Mexico, and he owns five miles of Mexican border. And uh, that fence on, his, on the border in his five miles is a five-strand barbed wire cattle fence. He has 26 routes that smugglers use through his property, uh, bringing drugs and 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 women and children and, and, and everything else through his property. He's been robbed. He's been threatened at gunpoint. His neighbor was murdered by cartels who place their spotters on the mountain peaks with military equipment that rivals our own with night vision and high-powered rifles. And they communicate with the mules bringing people and drugs into across his property right by his house every single night. And I guarantee you, if you ask him, he'd be very willing to put a wall on his property. And yes, under the eminent domain provisions in the Constitution, he should be paid for that. He must be paid for that. But I'm sure that he would agree, and probably a lot of his other neighbors would also agree. Uh, It's now become a question of security for people like him. Uh, When his wife was out in the garden and stood up and there was a a smuggler right behind her well-armed. If he hadn't come out of the house with his gun, who knows what might have happened to her. So they're living a very dangerous life on the border, and security, of course, is at issue. But nevertheless, to get back to due process, we need to talk about potential red flag laws and the Second Amendment. That, to me, is one of our biggest risks at this moment for due process. You all, you know, of course, that to our founders, the right of the people to be armed was not only for self-protection, but to, to make sure that we as citizens had a voice to restrain the federal government. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said it eloquently, is that the tree of liberty must be watered from time to time with the blood of tyrants and patriots. And that was their belief at the time. If red flag laws uh, are passed by Congress, 
that would allow citizens to tattletale on their neighbors for no reason whatsoever, and the federal government can then come and confiscate weapons and property from individuals, private law-abiding individuals, then that is a serious violation of due process. There are red flag laws have been around now for about 20 years. The first red flag law that I can remember hearing about, I think, was right before the turn of the century in Connecticut. And it was uh, it was something that was in response to a mass shooting. Um, and there are probably a dozen other states that that have red flag laws now. Um, the one thing that I would point out to you legally is that there are other red flag laws out there that, um, well, they walk and quack like red flag laws, but they are not viewed as red flag laws. Um, I'm familiar with North Carolina law being, uh, being a North Carolina attorney. Um, there is an involuntary commitment process um, where a law enforcement officer or a family member can walk into a magistrate's office and make a case that an individual is um, a danger to themselves or to others. And the magistrate can issue an involuntary commitment order and a local law enforcement um, officer is ordered to go and pick that person up, arrest them, basically, take them to a hospital where they are subjected to a, a medical and mental evaluation. And then if that individual who's making that evaluation says, yes, this individual may be a threat to themselves, or a threat to others, they can send them to a mental hospital. Where are they afforded due process after that? Yes, but you're going to be in a mental hospital, at least in this in, in, in the 30th district, you're going to be in that mental hospital. It's in Haywood County where they send most of them until Friday, until Friday morning about 8 o'clock. And if you get put in on an, on, on an involuntary commitment on Sunday – you're going to be there until Friday before you get in front of a judge and have a hearing as to whether or not you are competent enough to be released. What happens to your what happens to your family? What happens to your property while you you're um, languishing? I guess might be the best way to put it in a mental institution. It's not taken into consideration. Um, and if you go, if you if that ever happens to you, you can't get a permit to buy a gun. If it's on the books, even if it's the the doctor at the hospital says that no, this person's not. They're not a person who should be involuntarily committed. It's still on the books. And if you go to apply for a concealed carry permit, a permit to buy a gun, you're going to get denied. Why? It's there. 
And let me tell you, it's a long process to get it taken off. And they can deny you that. And what did you have the opportunity to do? Nothing. Because there's nothing in place that allows you to take it off. It has to be done by a judge upon petition. And then you have to get a hearing. And then everybody gets a chance to be heard. But that can be years on down the road. And if you've got a if you've got a concealed carry permit and you go back and it's five years later and they just tell you, no, we can't give you another one. If you go and you want to buy a pistol, no, sorry, can't give you one. It's not a discretionary decision that the sheriff gets to make at all. It's written in the law. Another situation. Um, domestic violence is a terrible problem in this country. Um, I've dealt with a lot of domestic violence cases throughout my career, and I've seen it destroy families. Um, abused and neglected children that I represent now, at least half of them are victims of domestic violence. But in North Carolina, a domestic violence protective order, which can be obtained ex parte, says what? The sheriff goes and gets, you, gets all your weapons, and they can bar you from your property. And do you get the opportunity to have a redress of your grievances? Yes. You're supposed to get one sometime within 10 days. It doesn't always happen that way. What's happened, your freedom and your property rights and your Second Amendment rights have gone away based on the word of someone else. And you never had the opportunity to speak as to the truth of what they were saying. And, you know, there are situations where people will go in and they will lie. I mean, that is, that's just the truth. Um, folks will go in and they will, they'll make allegations, and I see this quite a bit, um, that simply aren't true or can't be proven. And does that take anything back? Does that take anything back? No, it doesn't. The damage is done. And that ex parte domestic violence order remains on your record that's run through the National Criminal Information System. It remains. And there is no expungement process to get one of those taken off. And you are considered a threat and a spousal or child abuser for the rest of your days. Where is the due process? My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Daryl Brown. Well, that's what I want to know, Daryl Brown. This has mm-hmm. been a really incredible discussion, and I've enjoyed every single minute of it. So what I'm going to ask you is let's go back to due process. Okay, what is the, what is the, to, to, to you, what is the status currently of due process? And I was going to say, what should we do about it? But 
I don't know if we can do anything about it. And so what is due process? How, what is our current status in this country, in your eyes as a lawyer, of due process? And how does that affect the average citizen of this country, the law-abiding citizen of this country? That's not a small question. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> and you have a brain that's large enough to encompass it. Due process and due process rights are expanding in some areas and being contracted in others. Um, you see the expansion in, of, of due process rights in the Sixth Amendment, as I had mentioned before, you're seeing that a lot more regarding confrontation of witnesses. Uh, the Confrontation Clause has been expanded. It's continuing to be expanded. Um, the Fourth Amendment is, and the due process rights under the Fourth Amendment are, I hate to say the word dying but it's close. The Fourth Amendment is being eroded uh, considerably by decisions of the, the U.S. courts and the state courts um, being, um, being accepted from unreasonable searches and seizures. Well, who defines unreasonable? The courts define unreasonable. Um, recent case uh, involving people who are unconscious. The United States Supreme Court said that uh, the that law enforcement officers can draw their blood without their consent, and they actually overturned a case, um, the McNeely case out of Missouri, um, and said that no, we're while it, that is still a search you are unconscious and can't object to it. Talking about a can of worms that gets opened, and this is not just an invasion of your privacy. This is an invasion of your body. But the United States Supreme Court said it's okay. Um, why? Because you're fighting driving drunk. Okay. That is a legitimate thing to fight against. But it is a very, very slippery slope that you get on. Because what's next? What's next? Um, we see those trends. Um, the North Carolina Supreme Court in recent decisions has also expanded um, some, of the, some of the exceptions to the Fourth Amendment. And it is, it's not a matter of political philosophy. It just seems to be momentum that has, has gone um, for quite a while now. Where are we with, where are we with due process? It's a living, breathing organism that expands and contracts. Um, 
you know, my hairline is receding. My waistline is expanding. Um, over time, that is, uh, that's just what seems to happen. Um, will it reverse itself at some point in time? I don't know. I hope that Fourth Amendment protections would, would make a comeback at some point in time. But the advent of the advent of September the 11th still remains with us. And I remember a line from a movie that says, citizenship is not easy. It's not easy at all. And we have to we have to make sacrifices for our own security. But at what cost? The cost is our personal liberty. And that's where due process plays a part. Do we get a chance to say, whoa, wait a minute. We're being abused by something that had good intentions behind it. Where the courts are going to go with those things, I don't know. Um, wouldn't claim to. Where do I hope that they go? I hope that they go towards protecting individual liberties because once you take something away, it's real hard to get it back. Well, you know what Benjamin Franklin said. He said, those who are willing to sacrifice liberty for security get and deserve neither. And that, I'm afraid, is is where we are in this country today. Uh, we are on that slippery slope. Uh, we are sliding down that slippery slope um, faster than than is faster than is safe for the freedom of the individual. Um, and as I said in in the beginning, when our government and judicial system is allowed to unilaterally suspend due process requirements in the Bill of Rights to achieve a political agenda, we really are no longer a nation of laws, and we, in fact, are really no better than the dictatorships of the past and the present whose violations of human rights we now rail against. And that the, the basic premise there is that the ends do not justify the means law-abiding citizens are supposed to be protected by the Bill of Rights. Um, and to most of us, law-abiding citizens, and most of us are law-abiding citizens, we rely on those rights to live a life of freedom, live and let live. Um, people have asked me, what do you appreciate most about where you live? And I said, I love the fact that I live where most people believe, live and let live. That's what freedom is all about. Daryl Brown, I want to thank you very much for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. You're our practicing attorney, graduate, a Tar Heel graduate from the UNC School of Law. Thank you, Mac Brown, for coming back to coach our football team. <laughs> and that was a paid political announcement, I gather. <laughs> Daryl Brown, thank you so very, very much for being an incredible, thoughtful, intelligent, and well-spoken guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you, sir. It was an honor to be here. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website 
www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom.